So I have some questions for you as we get ready for getting into the Word of God. We're in Daniel 8. You can turn there. And as, uh, as we do so, I want you to think, and I, I apologize ahead of time, I want you to think, I want you to contemplate a time when you were burdened. Okay? I know you're really going to have to reach far. Think about a time where you were burdened, and maybe you were overwhelmed by that burden. Maybe it was a difficult thing. I, I know I can bring up a fresh hurt of the entire state of Texas right now. There seems to be a basketball team It's a little bit south that has met the glorious name of Stephen Curry. And uh, it showed last night as, uh, you know, the first two games of this series were close. And so Warrior fans got a little scared. Last night, we saw what we dreamed of. And the fascinating thing, the Warriors won by 35 points. And it, was, it just wasn't a contest. Uh, but here's what was fascinating is in the postgame, you heard individuals from the Houston Rockets talk about we cannot quit. We've got to shake it off when it seems like we're up against the ropes. We've got to keep fighting. Because if we don't, we're done. And that's what happened, in my opinion, to the team last night, is that there was some great coaching that went on. They isolated their star. When the star couldn't hit baskets, the rest of the team got tight. And it all just started to emotionally, the burden started piling up and the burden started. And so they interpreted everything that was going on based off of the burden. And they ended up on the mat flat on their face. And that's okay by me. I think that's biblical. Okay. But this morning, unless you're from Texas. Okay. This morning our message is titled, It's Not What You Know, It's Who You Know. And I really want you to hold on to that. Now, you're going to look and you're going to see that in Daniel 8, and we're really going to kind of, I'm kind of cheating all my training here this morning. But you'll see, we'll do honest by by the passage. Uh, We're not going to inject things. We're not going to say false things about the passage. But we're not going to read all the way through the passage. If you've been with us for a while, you know that when we're talking about the book of Daniel, uh, a lot of it's prophecy. And as uh, the writing is explained through, it tends to repeat itself. And this chapter is no exception to the rule. So we're going to just kind of cut to the meat of what we're looking at here and try to find how does this apply to us today. Oddly enough, I believe, and and I just think that the Spirit has encouraged me along these lines, that it's the very last verse that gives us a hint, and and not just a hint, just a a massive road sign advertisement as to what we're supposed to gather from this today. So you want to mark Daniel 8, and then we're going to fast forward to Romans 8. You've already heard a little bit from Romans 8 today. We're going to use that parallel in context to this challenge. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Now, I challenged you a moment ago about thinking about a burden. And then think about fighting through that burden. I'm going to test what you know. I told you it's not who you know, it's, or it's not what you know, it's who you know. But let's just test what you know. When I say, just keep swimming. It's fantastic. That's fantastic. I'm very impressed. That's That's fabulous. So you got the first one, all right? Just keep swimming, Dory the fish. From the Little Mermaid, right? From what? 
from Nemo, one of the greatest biblical stories of all time. If I were to say, just keep breathing. Now, ladies, I expect you to come, come up with this one. I'll give you a hint. It's a rom-com. Just keep breathing. If I were to say Sam Baldwin said, just keep breathing. First service got this. Don't disappoint me. Men, you're off the hook. I'll just tell you this right now. Because if any man gets this in the room, we're going to have to take your man card and tear it up. (laughs) Rip it in half. Just keep breathing. Nicely done. Well, Colette was in first service, so there you go. I just sold you out, Colette. But you get it. You still get the points. Yes, it's from Sleepless in Seattle. And so, you know, you go back to Finding Nemo and, and, and I don't even remember the dad's name. What was the dad's name, the fish? Oscar? Marlin. And Marlin's just like, you know, Marlin's is a down-in-the-dumps guy, right? The world's against me. I'll never find my son. And Dory comes with that irritating song. Just keep swimming. Just keep. And he's like, stop that irritating. You ever get like that around a person like that? I want to be miserable. Let me embrace my burdens because they're so good. Don't be joyful around me. And kind of the same thing here uh, is that the storyline with Sleepless in Seattle is that you know his wife had passed and his son sticks him on a national radio and, and the, the host asks, well, what do you do? He says, well, you just get up, I suppose. And then the next day, you get up. And then the next day, you just keep breathing. It's kind of a fascinating statement. So, this morning, I want you to hold on to this idea. Just keep walking. When it comes to that burden, and for many of us, we may have a lot. You may, boy, i got a whole smorgasbord here, Pastor. When it comes to those burdens and what you know, you see, what you're going to see out of the text is that Daniel has a huge, disturbing burden laid on him. And you'll see to what effect. I believe to the effect of mass depression. I believe to the effect of mass depression that it literally put him on his back, sick in bed. He was so depressed about it. Many of us can relate to that. So this is why I say, we'll get to the meat of what's in the chapter, but there's some real practical stuff for us to get out of this message today. And I, let me just time out, okay? Let me just say this. You're going to hear some things from me today about depression, anxiety, that probably fly in the face of what's out there for treatment. Let me just say this. I have to move through that expeditiously, and I have to give it motivation, and I have to present it in a certain way, so I don't have time to say everything I wish I could say. So here's my precursor on all of it. That there are... There are elements of depression. There are elements of anxiety. There are elements of, of what we struggle with sometimes that that burden goes beyond what we can do, what we can handle. And sometimes it is very much connected to physiological issues. Um, you can end up having challenges just coming out of uh, surgery. There's people in our church that have had surgery, and after that surgery... Uh, it affected them physiologically, and so they have been burdened with a struggle, and they keep walking, and they keep walking, and they keep walking. So please hear me that this is not a pastor who throws all the 
babies out with the bathwater. But I think what we're going to learn and what we're going to see from Daniel's approach, that's all I'm speaking to today. Okay, so just so you're very, very clear that, that I believe that there, is, uh, there are medical ways to treat depression. There are, um, there's a wide variety of things. I'm only going to have time because of the way that the text speaks to it today. I'm going to speak to that aspect. Is that clear? Okay, good. And if you have any questions, please contact me two years from now. Okay. So the point this morning is just keep walking. Just keep walking. Let's look this morning as we get ready to get into the Word. I want you to understand this anecdote. We need not to worry about what the future holds for us if we know who holds the future. Amen? All right. So the burden of knowledge is our first point today, and we're going to jump right to verse 17. All right, I told you, I told you we were going to, we were going to kind of segment what we're looking at here in, in chapter 8. But let me give you some background, okay? Daniel now is taken in a vision to a riverbank in the city of Susa. Susa is a major, major city. It has the citadel of Susa. Is anybody that's ringing a bell? This is Cyrus's capital eventually. Right now, at this point in time, uh, Babylon is still going, right? It's in the year of Belshazzar. Belshazzar is a Persian or Babylonian king? He's a Babylonian king. So we're, we're kind of going backwards here on the chronology of the storyline. And so God takes him in a vision to this riverbank. And what's fascinating is, uh, this is uh, the second time that he's been taken to a vision on a riverbank. It will happen again. It happens for Ezekiel. It happens for Isaiah. There's something interesting about when God gives a vision, he takes people... In, in, in these stories, to riverbanks. I don't know if that's where we get some of this history of some of the songs we sing, some of the old southern gospels down by the riverside, or uh, take me to the river, or things like that. There may be some kind of a connection to that. But God takes him in spirit, not physically, but in spirit, to this riverbank in Susa. Now the fascinating thing about that is, is Susa is not important yet. Susa becomes the capital of Cyrus, the Persian who you know, brings in together the Medes and the Persians. And I think part of the reason that this happens is it's forecasting. It's, it's showing him where some of this is going to happen and getting him into where the prophecy is going to lead. And so what we have, as far as the prophecy, is we have a ram. He sees a ram that has two horns. One is lesser, one is greater. That symbolizes Cyrus. All right, Cyrus the Persian. And so he conquers the Medes and he brings that, uh, a, a conglomeration of those countries together, the greater being Persia. And so that's why we interpret this and we see this and, and you'll see the actual interpretation is given by Gabriel. Is that that ram represents Cyrus and Persia. Now, the next thing that we see in the, in the vision is a, a he-goat with a great prominent horn, or, or some of your translations would say conspicuous horn. And this he-goat attacks the ram and wins. Now the he-goat is Alexander the Great, represents Greece. So there is, and there's more to it, but as we get into parts that we're going to read, you'll see how all that parlays. So you've got some context now, and then let's see what happens in verse 17 and 18. Remember, we're starting out with the burden of knowledge. The burden of knowledge. So let's see, how did Daniel perceive this vision? Was it a great thing for him? Was it exciting news? Let's see. Verse 17, 
He has just had a connection with Gabriel. And he says this, So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. Then verse 18 says, And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and made me stand up. He literally passes out, is what that's saying. So Daniel is laid with a burden, not just of the vision itself, but he realizes that there's something unique and powerful and important, and that he's going to become the messenger for this information about what you know, right? And so this morning as we look at this idea, this became a burden for Daniel. So much so that he had great fear. Now this is Daniel. This is Daniel, the guy who has visions all the time. We haven't seen a lot of fear out of Daniel yet. So there's something of greater magnitude here. And for many of us, we've had burdens in our lives that in the moment, those were hard, right? And we learn from it and we mature from it. We come out of it. But then we get hit with something even bigger. And it seems like it's of such a magnitude that we just can't handle it. It holds us captive with fear. This is where Daniel's at. He has the burden of knowledge. How many of you believe ignorance is bliss? Sometimes it is. Have you ever done this? You know, somebody started talking to you and you're like, eh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me, right? I don't want to know. Don't tell me. There's a lot of times that people want to lay burdens on us that we know those things are going to stick with us and they're going to start to take us down and they're going to be too heavy for us. This is where Daniel's at. And he's in this mindset, or maybe it's more that we're in the mindset, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's too much. Maybe that's you this morning. Daniel actually passes out <laughs> in the midst of the vision. It's too much. It's too much. Let me just encourage you that checking out or retreating was not optional for Daniel. Many of us get to that point, don't we? I'm done. Tell somebody else. This is too great a burden for me. I'm going on the short list. This is more than I can handle. God hears you. God gets it. God understands. God heard Daniel. But let me just say this. Checking out was not an option for Daniel. Checking out would not have been good for Daniel. But there's something in our flesh that wants us to check out. Right? God, it's more than I can handle. And so what do you do? I go to my burden mat. And I just lay down. I just lay down because that's what we want. That's the flesh. That's what we desire. And that's why we're looking at the promises out of Romans 8 today to encourage us. 
He was frightened. He passed out from fear. He was depressed and he was ill with worry. I told you we'd get to verse 27. Here we go. Go ahead and turn to the end of the story and let's see why we, we, we have taken this approach this morning. So he gets the full interpretation from Gabriel now about what's going to happen. We'll get into that with our second point this morning. But this is what Daniel says happened as a result of the burden of what he knows. And I, Daniel, was overcome and I lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business. Because I was healed and the burden went away and wasn't my issue and I was able to forget all about it. I was able to pass it off on some... That's what it says, right? No. He says that this burden was so tremendous that he was overcome and he lay sick for some... This is a guy who's going to wrestle with lions with no problem. This is a guy who's able to stand before a king in the face of sheer death and give an interpretation that's going to seal the deal. No problem. This is a guy who knows that if he prays, if he continues faithfully to do what his Lord would ask of him, it means impending certain death. No problem. But this? Are you kidding me, God? This is too much. This is too much. To look at the word Daniel and to see the explanation that he was overcome with grief, that doesn't marry in my head. Does it marry for you? Not so far. So I make this point to say this burden for Daniel was huge. It was huge. But what does it say he did? He rose He rose and he went about the king's business because everything got better, right? No. It says he rose and he went about the king's business, but he was still appalled by the vision and he still didn't understand it even after Gabriel interpreted it. So you're looking at someone who was able to, in the midst of the burden, in the midst of depression, in the midst of getting physically ill, not to make it all make sense what we know, But he's able to get up and walk through life and just keep walking because of who he knows. Now that is something worth exploring, isn't it? So let's do it this morning. So we already read that God touched Daniel. Daniel passes out. Daniel's down on the mat. He's UFC gonzo. He tapped. And what happens? God says, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And, you know, I don't know what he does, but he somehow he touches Daniel and Daniel's back up. Was that through Daniel's strength? No. First point for us to understand today. You want to get off the burden mat. God's going to need to touch you. God's going to need to touch you. And we're going to look at that in Romans 8, how that happens. The Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps us. Romans 8.15, let's look at it. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. What does that mean? It means I'm going through a hard time, but I have somebody. I have somebody that can touch me and can make me rise up off the mat and can help me. 
Even though, and, and now I'm completely healed, right? Because Daniel was completely healed, right? No! I still carry the burden, but God touched me. And because of the Spirit of God, I can cry out to Him, Abba, Father. And you know what this implies? It implies that it does something. It strengthens us in the midst of the burden. It gives us the resolve to stand in the midst of the fear. It gives us the freedom to walk away from the fear and the slavery that those burdens want to take and enshroud upon us and entangle us. Hebrews 12 says simply, let us run the race marked out before us and throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Romans 8, 26-27, another way that the Spirit will help us in that burden of all that we know, all that's placed on us, the burdens of, of life and circumstances and tragedy that want to define how we live and want to keep us on that burden mat. It says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do we know that weakness? I know you do. I know you do. God knows you do. A big deal, I know. <laughs> I can only help you so much. It's worth about a buck fifty, okay? But God, God can raise the prophet off the floor and strengthen his legs. God can help the one who's depressed greatly, who's physically sick with depression to rise up and be about the king's business, even though the burden is still great. He can take it so that what you know doesn't define you, but who you know strengthens you. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When I'm going through my burden, am I listening to my flesh? Do I want to give in to that flesh? Do I want to just quit? Yes. And I lost by 35 points. Right? By the way, just so you know, that's a metaphor, okay? I'm not saying that, you know, the Houston Rockets are evil and sinful and all those things. They might be, I don't know. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Have you been at that point because of your burden? You've been asking, you've been asking, you've been asking. And yet, it seems like maybe I'm asking the wrong thing, God, because I'm not seeing a change. We don't know what to ask for. What's it say next? Because if we were just going to stop there, it would still be depressing. But it says what? But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. He's acting on your behalf and you don't even know it. He is there to strengthen you and you don't even know it. Hold on to that promise. Hold on to that promise desperately. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The Spirit is at work. And so just where we started today in verse 4 of chapter 8 of Romans, we walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we don't walk in the flesh. That's the challenge. That's the choice for us. That's how we rise above the worry. That's how we keep walking. And that for us, we'll get to it in a moment. We'll get to it in about two hours. Um, is a choice. Is a choice. Let's get back. Point two, the behavior of kingdoms. All right, so some of you may have been saying, well, Pastor, you kind of just jumped all over this chapter. 
Okay, here we go. All right, you ready? We're going to get into the details of what is in this prophecy. Israel is persecuted greatly because of their sin. Well, pastor, how did you get to that? You'll see as I read through this, this portion here in, in a moment, the, the, the result of this prophecy is because of Israel's sin. Let's, um, let's look carefully... And you can just follow along as I read. Uh, I'll start in verse 8. Verse 7, the ram is there. It talks about the ram and the power uh, of the ram and that the goat comes and defeats him. Then the goat became exceedingly great. But when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns toward the four winds of heaven. Now what's fascinating about this is that this particular prophecy is so accurate that it disturbs biblical scholars. So I use that term lightly. It, it definitely disturbs historical scholars because it is so specific and so accurate. It is said, I don't know if it's proven, but it is said that Alexander the Great read this and knew it was about him. You see, it said what? That the horn was broken off. The horn represents Alexander the Great. The goat is Greece. And, and so you've got that up there. Persia is replaced by Greece, the shaggy goat. I won't do my best Scooby-Doo shaggy imitation. I'll spare you from that. The prominent horn is Alexander the Great. And that's a great selfie of Alexander, just so you know what he looks like. This issue is in the Hellenistic period. All right, this is Greece. This is the height of Greece. His dad, Philip, from Macedonia, uh, starts working against Persia, and Alexander finishes the job. And Alexander's kingdom spreads great all the way up to the upper recesses of India, over into Europe, all the way down into the lower recesses of, of Egypt, or what's called Upper Egypt. Um, and so what happens is exactly what the prophecy says. It says the... the um, out of one of them, uh, uh, actually, uh, verse 8, Then the goat became exceedingly great, but when he was strong, so at the height of his time, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns towards the four winds of heaven. The horn is Alexander. Do you know when Alexander died? He died a young man. He died in his early 30s, suddenly. And what? happened to his kingdom well let me let me come back to that well you'll see it in a moment his kingdom was given over to his four generals what specifically does the prophecy say and instead of it there came up four conspicuous horns towards the four winds of heaven i mean this is this is to a t exactly what was prophesied now, what happens with those four generals? The, the, the land that Alexander had conquered is divided amongst those four generals. And we'll show you how that breaks down in a minute. But later on, over a couple centuries, Rome comes in and Rome defeats those areas. And Rome now brings in another person. Listen carefully. One of them came, uh, <clears throat> or out of them, out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, and towards the glorious land. 
it grew great, even to the host of heaven. And some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled them. It became great, even as great as the prince of the host. And the regular burnt offering was taken away from him. And the place of his sanctuary was overthrown. And a host will be given over to it together with the regular burnt offerings because of transgression. Okay? Now, this is where you start to hear about why is this happening and why is this bold-faced king um, doing these great things and, and taking down uh, uh, mighty men and, and hosts. Uh, it is because of the transgressions of Israel. And you'll see this in uh, a later chapter in Daniel as well, that it speaks to the specifics that God is revealing to Daniel about what's going to happen centuries down the line with Israel once they return. All right? So... Then it says, and a host will be given over to it together with the regular burnt offering because of the transgression, and it will throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, for how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary, and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, for twenty. Uh, 300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. Now what's fascinating about this is that, uh, and we're not going to get into the 2300 and and exactly how do you interpret that, but it's very specific. Um, Here's the fascinating aspects about that, is that what's being stated to Daniel is that, okay, by the way, how did we get here? How do, who, who, where is Israel? Israel is in captivity. They've been captured. Why were they captured? Because of their rebellion towards God. And before they are captured, God gives them what? God gives them a bunch of warning. He even names the person, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, that is going to come and bring them into subjection and bring wrath down on them and gives them a chance again. We believe, scholars believe, that that Daniel's probably reading these words from Jeremiah at this point. He's getting familiarized, and he starts calculating out the 70 70 years and so on and so forth. It's becoming of great interest to Daniel, and he's realizing that there's a time coming where Israel, Judah, will go back to Jerusalem. Now, what's history say? History dictates that Cyrus, Cyrus is a friend to Israel. God uses Cyrus to not only send back, and there's two groups that go back at two different times, but Cyrus sends back a group to reestablish the temple. What's prophesied here? Okay, now that prophecy that you heard here isn't specific to what happens that I'm I'm speaking about under Cyrus. But Cyrus actually even funds the rebuilding of the temple. And then you have Ezra, and you have Nehemiah, and then... Uh, then you have a period of time and then you start to see the rise up of the synagogues. The Septuagint is written and you have this intertestamental period uh, where now the, the scriptures are kind of closed. And so what's happening, uh, you just have all this addition that's happening and, and you have the temple which is called Zerubbabel's temple that's been built and it keeps going and, and, and yet it's becoming more of a conglomerate. Uh, this is the time where uh, the Pharisees start adding on all of these laws. It's kind of like the state of California. They're just writing laws just to write laws. Um, they, they just keep um, bearing and, and saturating. 
and the people lose track of God again. And that's where we find ourselves. And so what ends up happening is we enter into the Maccabean era. And you'll hear some of this, uh, these apocryphal books called First and Second Maccabees. Uh, Ju- Judah Maccabeus or Maccabee, however you want to say that. Um, he leads the revolt against Antiochus Fourth Epiphanes. Now, who is Antiochus the Fourth? Antiochus Fourth is this horn. He's the bold-faced king that we're reading about. He is the one that will subjugate the Jews. He is the one that will bring destruction and pain and misery to the Jews. Why? Because of their rebellion towards God again. So this is what Daniel's hearing. Is that they just went through all of this. They're going to be reestablished. The temple is going to be rebuilt. Yay, this is great. And then guess what? You're going to have to suffer. And you're going to suffer greatly. And not only that, there, there is the reference to what's called the abomination of desolation. And Tychus Epiphanes, his agenda was to subjugate the Jews. So it actually became illegal for them to practice their faith, practice their religion. If any Jew was caught with a, a, uh, a prayer book, even a prayer book, or he was caught with the Torah, executed on the spot. So you can see how during that time people would look at this as Antiochus was like Antichrist, okay? Uh, He killed thousands of Jews, hundreds of thousands of Jews. And then to cap it all off, his desire was to change the Jewish culture, Jewish religion into the Greek religion. And so he went into the temple of God and on the altar he sacrificed a pig on the altar which is what's called the abomination of desolation. By doing that, he fulfills this prophecy by saying he's a bold-faced king that even challenges the prince of princes. Do you hear that? That's speaking about God. That's speaking about Jesus Christ. He desires to hurt. And so, the hope and the faith of what happens in this is it it's stated this is going to happen for 2,300 evenings and mornings, and then the sanctuary will be restored to its rightful state. This happens. Maccabean revolt happens. They defeat Antiochus. And it also says that he will be defeated, but not by any human hand. Antiochus was not killed by the revolt. He escaped into Persia, and he went mad. He died of insanity, is, is what we're told in history. Prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled. But imagine your burden and now think about what has just been revealed to Daniel. You think you're suffering now. We're even going to let you go back and you're going to suffer greater. You're going to suffer greater. Your people are going to suffer tremendously. And he says it's too much. He says it's too much. Let me run you through some of this. So the prominent horn is Alexander the Great. The four horns are represented uh, of the four kingdoms that were Alexander's generals. There's the map I was telling you about, and that's kind of the divisions of, of how the four generals took over Alexander's uh, kingdom. So you can see how far-reaching uh, uh, Alexander the Great uh, conquered. And then, because of Israel's sin, they suffer greatly from Antiochus. By the way, if you're from Antioch, you have a connection to that bad, bad man. Um, he... he uh, uh, established uh, the city of Antioch in, in the Palestinian region. 
It's a Greek name. It's a Greek title. And I think this Antioch gets its name from the Antioch on the East Coast who got its name from the Antioch. Anyway, it goes on and on. You poor people from Antioch. The future kingdom of Christ keeps us walking. What do we do with all this information? What do we do with the behavior of the kingdoms? Well, we have to keep walking. Daniel demonstrates this. Romans 8.18 helps us understand this. By the way, how bad of a man was Antiochus IV? Well, he believed he was God. Again, fulfilling the prophecy that he wanted to challenge God himself. That's how arrogant he was. He had this coin made in, in his image, so to speak. And on the back it said, Theos Epiphanes. And that was basically declaring himself to be a god. How fantastically specific is this prophecy? I mean, it just fits so perfectly. Romans 8.18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I think Daniel had to get to that point of understanding and trusting God. And for you and I to look and see, Daniel gets this vision and he has the burden of horrible, horrible future history for Israel. I mean, you're talking about being the bearer of bad news. And so it overwhelmed him, it overcame him, but I think there's a point in time to where he trusted in God and he got his mind focused back on God and not on what he knew, but who he knew. And this is what Paul's saying. Yes, there's going to be suffering. And the suffering is there because of sin. But what far far outweighs that is our understanding of the one who has control over all of it. God. God. The business of the king, verse 27. Daniel kept walking regardless of certain destruction. It says this in verse 27. I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. What is your burden today? Are you able to keep going about the business of the king? Let me show you a few things. Daniel kept walking regardless of certain destruction. Have you ever said this statement, and and I'm just going to have you finish it for me. I'm not going down with the, the ship. My wife and I have been very, very blessed uh, in, in our season and calling in ministry. And I'll be careful to the specifics of, of, of how I relay this story, but it's purposeful for you to understand that just in, in this sense, in this one example, I get what a little bit of what we're talking about, about what we're preaching today. When I was... Really young, we had just been married. I got my first gig in youth ministry. Called to a, a great little church. And within six months there, I was asked by uh, the pastor to, number one, cheat on my taxes. Because nobody would know. Secondly, in jest, he made an inappropriate comment towards my wife thinking it was funny and it was okay. Um, Shortly after that, for an illustration, he decided to flip off the entire audience as an illustration and thought it was hilarious 
And I learned more about Arnold Schwarzenegger and Oprah from their biographies than I ever learned from the Bible. And I thought to myself, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Now, let me just share this with you. The ministry is a challenging, great, wonderful thing, but it's also tough. You see what's going on for Daniel, right? What I didn't know is that my pastor was having an emotional breakdown. Uh, he was having a literal nervous breakdown at the time. I was young. I, I, I didn't understand. I still don't understand those things. So if I start to have one, you know, let me know. Um, so it was hard. And I said exactly what you just said. I'm not going down with the... So I started seeking counsel. First of all, Janine and I were praying about this. What do we do? You've got to be kidding me. I, we can't be part of this. Surely th- God's not in this. And so we sought counsel. And we had just about everybody tell us, yeah, you have no business being there. But for some reason, that didn't settle. Now these were all godly people. And everything that was happening, everything that was transpiring, and all the burden that was laid on us, and just... Because you get it, right? Going to work, and there's some things happening at work that just... You're looking at it and you're saying, this is not good. This is not... And, and you just don't enjoy going to work anymore. Or maybe it's within a family situation, or so on and so forth. This is too much. I'm just going to move on to something else. And we can find justification and rationalization for all of that. There's one man who was our college leader, great, great man of God, and uh, called him up and I asked him, you know, hey, so this is what's going on and I really think I should leave. And he said, well, did the Lord tell you you should leave? I said, well, I would think the Lord's telling me to leave because all these things are happening and it's not really kind of what he expects from his church. And he said, so if you leave, what's going to happen at that church? What makes you think that, that... the people that he's called you to minister to don't still need you right now at that church, regardless of what's happening with the senior pastor. I'm starting, wait a minute. <laughs> You're not saying, yeah, he was saying, that until God so released me, then I was being asked to carry on in ministry under a burden that was difficult every day I went to church. For two and a half years. And yet God gave us the joy and gave us the strength. And by the way, that pastor is doing great now. God gave us the joy and the strength to thrive in that ministry. And had I walked out early and not carried the burden and kept walking in that ministry, I would have missed the next thing God had for me. I would have missed the next thing that God had for me. And I learned, Janine and I learned in those moments what it means to, you have to carry a burden sometimes. Even though it's appalling. You have to carry a burden. But God gave us the strength. The Spirit touched us and gave us joy in the midst of that. So I'm going to give you several things to help you this morning in closing. How do you battle worry? You got something you're worried about? You got something you're anxious about? You got something that's holding on to you and is starting to define your days? Let me help you out. Number one, oh, you're going to love this. Accept the inevitable and be comfortable with it. What kind of advice is that, Pastor? 
what you heard out of Romans, right? You saw Daniel's demonstration. You're not going to change some of these burdens that are coming towards you. So just accept it. It is what it is. But it doesn't have to define me. It doesn't have to keep me down on the burden mat. That's different. But if I keep resisting it and I keep pushing against it and I keep fighting against it, I'm not moving forward. I'm I'm struggling in my flesh, right? Which is what we're reading out of Romans 8. But the challenge is not to walk in the flesh, but the challenge is to keep walking in the what? The Spirit. But if I'm going to fight against the inevitabilities, if Daniel's going to fight against this province and say, no, that's too bad. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell the king or I'm going to tell Israel and I'm going to say, hey, you guys knock it off. There's this thing coming. I'm going to go find this guy, Alexander, and get him into plumbing and make sure he's got a really good, successful plumbing career. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, right? But do we do that? Sometimes, my friends, we have to just accept it because God has determined for His purpose, which we can't see all the wisdom in, that this has got to happen this way. And are we part of it? Yes. In Rome, we read it. Our, our temporary suffering is far outweighed by the eternal glory. Well, that's great, Pastor. So I just embrace my sorrows. Remember, it's not what you know. It's who you know. It's who you know. How do you fight worry? Start with just embracing the difficulty of it. It's here. It's real. It's live. It's not fake. Good. Let's move on. Let's live in light of it. Okay? Second, determine to see the possibilities of this day. What are the possibilities of this day? On a daily basis... We have to arise, my friends, and we have to get to a point where we say, do I choose to live by the flesh and set my mind on the things of the flesh, or do I choose to set my mind on the things of the Spirit? Because it's of the flesh, I will be consumed by the burden. If I choose to focus on the, on the spiritual, I can rise and I can walk in the midst of the burden. That's the beauty That's the result. That's what we want to get to today. And we saw Daniel do it. We saw Daniel do it. Number one, in a sense where he was so struck with fear, he just passed out. And so Daniel woke up and he pulled up his bootstraps and he pulled up his line defending you know, armor and all this stuff and he got up off the ground by his own. No, God touched him and God raised him. Right? Not by his own flesh, but by God's strength. Don't fight this burden. Don't accept, don't embrace this burden, whatever it is or whatever they are, in your own flesh. God will give you the power. God will give you the strength to do it. And we'll see that in in Romans here uh, in just a moment. Actually, go ahead and turn there now. Romans 8.5, if you will. And let me read that to you.
So we've read to you out of four. It says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And here's five. Here's how it helps us with this idea of determined to see the possibilities of this day. How do I do that, Pastor? Verse five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It is what I will allow myself to think about. Have you ever been captive to what you know? I wrestle with that every day. I wrestle with that every day. Here's what I want you to do. When you find yourself stuck in those little private conversations in your mind, you know those ones, right? And it just is consuming you and you've been having that conversation with yourself for an hour now. And you missed out on an hour of life. Whatever that bell was that just went off, that's perfect. I want that bell to go off in your head. It was perfect timing. That if that is happening, warning, warning, I am now being subjugated by my flesh. So stop. Choose to focus on the Spirit. Choose to focus on the Spirit. Now I'm not talking about live in denial. What, what was the first instruction? Embrace the burden. Okay? But regardless of the burden, choose. When that burden starts to define your day, choose to walk in the Spirit and watch what happens. Watch what happens. I think if you get that right, you get off off the burden mat, you stop being overcome like Daniel was, and just like Daniel, you start walking. You start walking. Lastly, just keep walking, knowing that what you know lives in the shadow of who you know. And let me demonstrate that through this scripture in Romans. First of all, understand this. The best cure for worry is to go deliberately forth and try to lift the gloom off somebody else. We live in a world that keeps telling you in sound bites, you got to take care of you. You can't take care of anybody else unless you take care of you. You're going to hear it from me right now that that will suck you down like a, 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 a giant pool drain with the Coriolis effect. You will get sucked down and you will not be able to get up off that mat of burden if you make it all about yourself. If you take that philosophy, you are Marlin with no Dory. Okay? You're Marlin with no Dory. Some of you are like, I don't know that show. Go watch it. You'll be highly entertained. Okay? Make it about somebody else. I tell my kids when I drop them off at school in the morning. I don't get to tell this to Dylan, so he can hear it fresh right now. Because I don't drop them off anymore. I tell my girls, make a difference in one person's life today. Not yours. It'll change how you live. And it'll change your attitude. And when they've done that, it's amazing the person we pick up from school. Versus when they've let their burdens overcome them and they haven't made the choice to try to make it about somebody else. They're pretty grouse sometimes. They're lovely, lovely daughters. But they're just a magnification of who we are. They're a magnification of who we are. So let me show you how this works. 
So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's our burdens, right? It's what we know that separates us from the love of Christ. Let me take you one step further. Okay? Hear me clearly. When your car is backfiring, you're going to put a band-aid on the tailpipe? So you're like, well, yeah, sure, why wouldn't I? No, you don't put a band-aid on the tailpipe. But you're like, wait, the sound's coming out of the tailpipe. That's not the problem. The problem's deeper, right? Can I just encourage you? I get it that this stuff is hard. And, and very specifically, again, hear me clearly, that there are times where we physiologically, there, there, is, there are things that are happening, and honestly, I'm not a scientist, but I think we're doing it to ourselves in certain manners with a lot of the chemicals. and a lot, I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists. I don't walk around with an aluminum hat on my head. But um, I think there's a lot that's out there that we've manufactured, we've created, that is affecting us. And, and, and if we're seeing rises in um, autism, we're seeing rises in cancer, we're seeing things on an exponential level, why would we not be thinking that the chemical things that create our moods and all that wouldn't be affected as well on a certain level? So there's a whole element of that that I get. You've got you to treat that way. But can I just tell you, I really do believe that that's that overwhelming part. I will share with you, I think I've shared this with you before, that recently I had a doctor tell me, and I just asked you, are you going to put a band-aid on a tailpipe of a car that's backfiring? When asked about depression and, and anxiety and the treatment of something along those lines on a severe level, and a treatment was offered, I asked about the science of that treatment. Tell me about the science of that treatment. Because this doesn't make sense, doctor. Tell me, you know, you're saying this, 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 and this. And I said, so tell me how that science works. Because I'm, I'm, I want to learn. I want to understand. And I will tell you, the words that were given to me is it's just a Band-Aid. This is the best we've got. And I feel badly for modern psychology, psychiatry. Because I'll sit in counsel with somebody and I'll just start to understand a small infinitesimal amount of the burden that you carry in an hour session. You're probably not getting an hour session with a doctor out there. You're probably getting about 45 minutes to a half hour. And then they've got another one, and they've got another one, and they've got another one, and they've got another one. It's not to say that they don't care. I just think they're overwhelmed. So what do we do with all of that? We do the best we can, but we keep walking. Because the alternative of laying down on the mat of burden and not getting up is not a good alternative. And as heavy as your burden is, I'm not sure it's as heavy as Daniel's was. Even if it is, what Daniel did is not select to Daniel. That same God is here for you. That same God is here for you to help you up off of your burden to keep walking. So, back to this verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's my question. Who? You answer me. Who? There's one person. 
I can make that choice. It's all that we've seen out of Romans 8, right? I get up every day and I've got burden. And I make a choice to walk in the flesh or I make a choice to walk in the Spirit. Listen to me carefully. I get it. It's hard. It's difficult. But I want you to get up off the mat like Daniel did. And I get it. There will be days where you can't. But just keep walking. Please, just keep walking. And understand that the only person that can keep you from this is you when you give up. When you stop. So just keep walking. The other is not an alternative. So what do we do with all all that? Well, let me share this with you. No, in, in, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through ourselves, through Him. Remember that that's the key. You can be a conqueror, more than a conqueror, but you have to do it through Him. You have to do it through Him. Lastly, Paul was convinced. There's conviction in what he's saying. He writes these words and he's saying, I'm convinced that if you live this way, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Does he say, if you live this way, your burden will be gone? He doesn't say that. So be careful what you're hearing. Be careful what you're listening to. He says, I'll make it so you can get up off the mat of burden. He's saying, I can make you walk again. You may still walk through burden, but I'll make it so you can walk again. Remember, Daniel even said, I was still appalled, and I still couldn't even come to bring myself to understand what was going to happen to my people. But I still went about the king's business. Because this day can offer me something. It's not about what I know. It's about who I know. Amen? Let me close this morning by saying this. Worry is the receptionist for depression. Call and cancel your appointment. Okay? And lastly, we need not worry about what the future holds for us if we know who holds the future. Let me close in prayer. Father, this is an intriguing chapter and probably never preached the way I just preached it. But I felt burdened You brought to my eyes this last verse. Because what good is knowledge unless it determines how we walk? And how we walk today, tomorrow, the next day. For those of us gathered in this room, that is my charge. And so I ask, Lord, that You take the words that were spoken, You lift them to the heart's And then as the seed has been sown, you cultivate it and you grow it and you encourage. So we hear stories, witness testimony about how people are walking. Thank you, Father. That we don't have to be defined by what we know, but that we can be defined by who we know. To your glory. Amen.